You are listening to the 3ND Podcast. I am your host, Justin Lewis. You can find the podcast on Twitter at 3ND Pod. You can find me at J underscore Timberfake underscore. Of course, we are part of the Grizzly Bear Blues network of podcasts. You can find Grizzly Bear Blues online at SBN Grizzlies or uh, the inter- interweb at grizzlybearblues.com. Make sure you check out our other podcasts, The Starting Five, The Core Four, and GBB Live. Joining me as always is Mr. Benjamin P. Hogan. How are you, sir? I'm all right. I'm making it. How are you doing? Man, I'm bummed because I'm still having to see this dude on Twitter update the uh, high school basketball playoffs that we have been eliminated from. Um, we went on the road to a one seed, and I watched them. I watched film on them on a road game, and they weren't hitting down a bunch of shots, but you know how it is in your home gym. Man, they could not miss. I'm sorry, man. That that sucks because I know that uh, you were all excited last week and thought you might be playing still come this time. Yeah, this we week. were. We were the team that we wanted to lose, so we didn't have to face on Saturday. Lost, so we were confident about our Saturday game. We just didn't take care of business on Thursday. That's rough. Yeah, it is what it is. If y'all hear any noise in the background, uh, we've been out of town all weekend, so we're trying to catch up on dishes and everything. So. We're just doing life. <laughs> so, in typical fashion, Ben, the Grizzlies do the complete opposite of what we predict. Um, we predicted a one and two week last week, and they went two and one. And I'm pretty sure that I, I said last week that they were going to slip up and beat the Clippers because it's typical of them to win one they weren't supposed to win. Um, let's talk about that one first. That that clip that Clippers win on the front end of the back to back. What the heck was that? I don't know. That's the thing is that they just looked like they could beat anybody in the league in that game. And you know they they shut down uh, the Clippers in the paint. They I mean they didn't take Kawhi completely out of the game, but he wasn't really a a factor. He didn't. You didn't really think that he was going to take over. You felt like that he was kept in check for the most part. You you weren't really worried, and it, it was it was weird because you were kind of confident in the Grizzlies holding on to the lead in that game because it felt like that you know they were in control the whole game. Yeah, and it seemed like the I, it doesn't make sense to me that the Clippers weren't prepared for what the Grizzlies did to them. They they mid range and floated them to death. But if you're a good coaching staff, like, you should be prepared for that. Like, you should absolutely know that the Grizzlies' game plan is to get into the paint and they were, they're going to pull up and, and knock down floaters. But for some reason, they were not prepared for that. Um, and they look like absolute world beaters, putting 122 points on a team that has Patrick Beverly, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't expect that. Um, I, I kind of just kind of thought that they would drop both of them and maybe the Grizzlies would catch one against Houston. But, of course, they get that one win. I'm thinking, let's get greedy. Let's, uh, let's get the second one, too. And that, that, that didn't work out. But, you know, that, it's, it's – I mean, obviously teams look good when the shots are dropping. And that's really kind of what it was for the Grizzlies uh, in the first game against the Clippers. And that's how it is. It seems like it's been with the Grizzlies. Like when they're not missing shot, I mean when they're not making shots, they're getting blown out of the gym 
but when they are making shots, they get that confidence and everything's clicking and it looks like they can beat anybody in the NBA. And it's frustrating as a Grizzly fan sometimes. Right. There was a personal worst case scenario for me in that game. Do you have any idea what you're what I'm referring to? Uh what, Dylan Brooks? Yes. I knew, I knew that the freaking first game back, he would come back and the Grizzlies would win and everybody would be like, oh, see, we told you you got to have Dylan Brooks, blah, blah, blah. He was the second leading scorer that night. They won by like 30 points. And it was just like I'm getting tagged and stuff on Twitter. I'm getting blown up on my phone on text messages. How about Dylan Brooks? How about – I'm just like, please stop. He still shot below 50%. Like – but he did kind of close him out. Like, he was the one that, you know, I put in the uh, report card. He had a, a – there was a sequence of two straight possessions on defense, one where he stole the ball and then ended up with a justice jam. And then back down, they came back – they stole it again, and he ended up hitting the three. And that basically, like, just – that was over. I mean, I think there was about eight minutes left in the game, but you kind of felt like, all right, that's it. Game's over. And he looked – okay I mean he looked good the thing is he he didn't do what he's been doing the rest of the season he didn't fill up the other stats like that's what we've talked about Dylan is like his game's matured he's getting rebounds he's getting assists he didn't do any of that against in the first game against the Clippers played some decent defense he made shots but he didn't do the other stuff that he's been doing all season long oh he had two rebounds he had no assists which is not shocking um and then of course he had three fouls because that's that's what he does. Um, and he took 13 shots. And then we turn around on the Clippers' loss, and everybody's all quiet now on DB when he shoots 36% with 14 shots, has three fouls again, only gets two rebounds, a negative 11 on the floor. Um, and then you go to the Houston game, a game where they weren't playing defense at all, and yeah. he gets eight points on 36, 37% shooting with uh two rebounds like it, this is what he, this is who he is he has that one random out of nowhere game where he's good and then he's just bad again yeah i mean I, I, again it's it's you know he's trick or treat i know that's tony allen but it's basically it, it feels like it's dylan brooks too it, it, you're you're not going to get consistency out of dylan brooks and that's the thing is like People wave the flag on Dylan Brooks Island when he has big games, but they're going to go silent when he doesn't have good games. But, you know, you know he's going to have good games, and you know he's going to have bad games. You just kind of – you don't know when they're coming. That's the thing. That, but that's also the thing. Like, even his good games, he's not even that great. Like, he's, he's just not. And I just, I just don't get how they're so ready to wave the flag on a guy that isn't – he's just not good. So let me let me bring up something that I put on Twitter today. Um, Zach Noble, who we had on a couple of weeks ago, uh, asked about a, a trade for Oladipo, and I asked him if if Gorgie Jang and Dylan Brooks would be of any interest to the Houston Rockets for Oladipo. Um, and so he sent back a package that was um, Gorgie, Grayson, Dylan, two second round picks for. Daniel House and Victor Oladipo. If you're the GM, what do you say to that? If you're the Grizzlies, yes, I do. Yes. 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But D- Dylan Brooks Island is over here like, you're going to give up all that for, for Victor Oladipo? What do you mean all that? I love Grayson, Grayson Allen. I own property on, on Grayson Island. <laughs> and I would give him up for a shot at, at House and Oladipo. Yeah, Oladipo's con- contract's expiring. But he can come in there and, and play next to Ja. That would probably be the best two-guard in franchise history. And all you have to give up is Dylan Brooks. I don't think that's yeah. a, a, a hard decision, especially considering the depth problem that you're having where DeAnthony Melton's getting DNPs because we have too many yeah. guys. You you eliminate a body on the wing with that trade. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's already going to be – we've discussed this before. It's going to be a pain for any team that's going to be playing the Grizzlies because in the playoffs because they're going to make you work. But you add Oladipo to that lineup, you have Oladipo and Justice Winslow out there together. Teams are going to have would have a hell of a time trying to score on you. Yeah, imagine a lineup of of Ja, Oladipo, Justice, Kyle Anderson, and Jaron Jackson Jr. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good luck. I mean, there could be you know, you may have some trouble a little sometimes on uh, scoring points, but. You're going to be able to stop some players. I'm, I'm going to pull up his stats real quick uh, for this season. His raw numbers uh, per game right now for Houston is 19 points per game on 45% shooting. And he is uh, – he's not shooting the ball from three too well. He's at 30%. He's looking like Moran out there. Um, total on the year, he's at 19 points. 32% shooting. So his three-point shooting is a little bit down, but he is coming off injury. Um, let's see. He only fouls about two times a game rather than three to four. And then his analytics, his defensive ratings are 110. Not the best. His defense, So he's not been too great this year, but – Who's going to be good in Houston right now with the problems that they have going on? I just feel like Depot would be a fit here better yeah. than he would be uh, in Houston or what he was in, in Indiana. Um, so maybe yeah, he's not. I think he'd be more consistent than Grayson or Dylan because, I mean, Grayson's great at, in, at times, but, I mean, we've seen him. You know, he, he's getting wide open shots from his spot and he's missing them in games. You know, it, it, it happens. It happens to anybody, but still. I think Oladipo provides you a little more consistency there, too. And with Depot, you know that there is a ceiling that is higher than what he's playing and a ceiling that is significantly higher than Dylan Brooks. Yeah. The so floor I, is also higher. I mean, <laughs> that's true. Um, I mean, Depot's worst season is, let's see, 13 points per game. Like, and that was him playing point guard as a rookie for Orlando. I was about to say, well, that had to have been his rookie year because I I can't remember another year in which he was, you know, would have gotten 13 points a game. Yeah. His best year was uh, his first all-star season, 17-18 in Indiana, where he went 23 points. He had five rebounds, four assists, two steals. Like, if you even get a hint of that Oladipo, it's a it's a – double upgrade over uh, DB and Grayson Allen. I, I just don't see how you could think that we're giving up too much 
for Depot. And then Daniil House is a very good rotation player who can knock down threes on the wing. Um, yeah, you can't have last too many night, guys. Last night we can erase. You know, that's not the house you're going to get <laughs> if you trade for him. Like, that was one of my uh, my misses last night. I thought he'd score 13 and a half, especially without Depot playing. But he scored five. He just Nobody was knocking down shots for Houston. Right, and he's had two seasons of 42% from three and 36% from three. He's down to 31% this year, which you don't like. Um, but it seems just like everybody in Houston is just not – because it's not the same system. They're learning a new system. They're a little bit uncomfortable. Um, they're not getting the same looks that they were getting in the Dan Tony seven seconds or less offense where it was just threes or layups. Um, right. So the, the numbers are going to be a little different. I think that would be an awesome trade. No, I do not think the Grizzlies front office is even entertaining that trade, uh, but just something that I threw out there uh, today. Let's talk about um, Winslow for a minute. Um, actually, let's let's talk about last night's game uh, against the Rockets and just the the polarization I'm seeing on Twitter that I shouldn't be seeing from people who consider themselves uh, educated basketball minds to go from criticizing a widely accepted front office, if not unanimously praised front office, um, criticizing them for sabotaging the season or creating a losing culture or tanking the season, and then flip the switch because we beat a extremely depleted, playing terribly over the last 11 games Houston Rockets team. You beat them by 50. Winslow goes out there and drops a 20-piece and makes the front office look like, you know, hey, this was a guy that you, you you know, we all we had to give it was Iggy and Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill for this. Like, this was a steal, which most people have been saying the entire time. You didn't right. give up anything to bring in Justice Winslow, but then you have all these people crying about the fact that they're holding them out so long, and then all of a sudden, oh, these front offices are geniuses for – for being patient with him and bring him along and Killian Tilly. We're so glad to see his player development time on the, on the court. You were just <laughs> whining about player development time. What are you talking about? Let's not overreact to a 50 point win over a Rockets team that probably couldn't even beat a G league team. Am I wrong? No, I hope so. I mean, I, I, I took Cleveland tonight. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, he was playing on back to back after that. And I didn't see anything that made it look like they could compete with any NBA team. Uh, it, it's nice to get a win like that, but you can't really take much away from it. I mean, besides, you got to get your bench a lot of run. Your bench looked really good. You know, you were talking about, you know, last night, like Dylan didn't do anything really well. I mean, none of the starters did. None of the starters really did much. And they didn't have to. The bench outscored the entire Rockets team. That should tell you everything you need to know about what you can take from that game. Uh, Josh scored a season low in points. I mean, you, you can't have that against good teams. So you can't really take away anything from that game. You can be happy about it. It's awesome. Yeah, you, you beat the crap out of a team. That's fun to see in the NBA. But you, that's not going to be every night. And you're going to be in for a rude awakening tomorrow night. Or I guess, what, this will be Tuesday? I guess tonight uh, against Washington. Because that team's rolling right now. Yeah, what the positive that I take away from – last night because sometimes in a blowout you, you don't want to take too much from that um because you're not going to see that bad of a team every single night so you can't go out there expecting that you're just going to be world beaters again um 
especially against a Wizards team that may have a losing record. I think they're 13 and 19, so it'd be easy to look at them and be like, oh, they're not they're, – they're nothing. But they have two superstars, so you got to take that in consideration. What I take away from last night is you had one, two, three, four, five, ten guys that took six shots or more. And I've said it all season long, the success of this team is when they, when they distribute the shots like that, where they're spread out and it's not Dylan jacking 20 – Jaw taking 18, Balanchunas taking 16 to 17, and then the other guys are sprinkling in here and there. Our shot leaders, this is the craziest thing about this. Our shot leaders, can you guess who they were? The two guys that took the most shots? Um, I don't know. It just felt like Kyle Anderson was uh, missing he, all the shots. He was first. He was first. Who was and second? Maybe Brandon Clark, maybe? Justice Winslow. Just, okay, well, yeah, that makes sense. Winslow was eight for 12. He shot 67%, which is awesome. And then Anderson sucked. He went four for 14, 29%, over seven from deep. Um, yeah. Still was a plus 17, but I mean, everybody was a plus except Valanciunas because he just got in real quick foul trouble uh, while the game was still close. But yeah, um, for me, it was just the team play, the shot distribution was, was massive. Um, but how about a player that's also received some criticism uh, throughout this season and, and people have kind of shifted their tune on for some reason, I don't know, but how about Brandon Clark's performance last night? Yeah, he had a double-double before halftime. I, I don't remember what his numbers were. I think it was 10 and 11. I know he had at least 10 and 11 before halftime, and it, he just looked really good. He looked in his – you know, he was playing within himself. He looked really good. He looked comfortable. And he looked like the guy that we saw last year. And he had he had spring. He had jump in his step. He had, you know, it, it just – it made you feel comfortable as a Grizzly fan. Like, finally, you know, Brandon Clark is what we saw of him last year. He's given you this, this in this game. Again, it's against the Rockets. But, you know, he was getting in there, getting those offensive rebounds. He was sneaking in. He was hustling every time, you know. We, we don't necessarily see that all the time with the guys. Like, you take a shot, they run back the other way. He was mixing it up and getting offensive rebounds as well as crashing the defensive glass. Right, yeah. He is um, going to be even more important when Jaron comes back. Uh, I think it was a fun lineup seeing him at the five uh, with, with uh, Winslow and DB and, and Anderson out there. Uh, very switchable. Uh, on defense because they're all six seven to to six nine really about the same yeah. size so they can switch off uh, on anybody and it's inconsequential pretty much and I think going forward you're going to be able to like just think about this for a lineup when Jaw comes out you run Winslow at the point and then you go DB Kyle uh, BC and Jaron think about being able to switch on everything on defense there yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what Taylor Jenkins does because he's going to have so many options, but we just got to think – we've got to hope he doesn't overthink some things or overanalyze things. Just send the guys out there. Just let them play because I could see him trying to mix and match too much, and that could get him into trouble because we've seen him put lineups out there of guys that aren't – you know, there's not anybody out there that can really have defensive key on them. You know, you need to have somebody on there that defenses, you know, need to key on or at least focus on instead of having five guys out there that not really a threat to can go off 
Like I think Justice is a guy that can score in bunches. I mean, we saw we saw Spurge that last night. Right. Um, I'm seeing parts of his game too that I don't really remember seeing in, in Miami. Um, these little back down fade away in the post shots and then the the defense is way better than I remember being in Miami and I, I think I've mentioned to you too like the arc that he has on his shot from deep I feel like that's one that he's yeah. changed a little bit um and he is still young like if he want and based on his post game interview he wants to be here he loves yeah. it in Memphis he is he is what he said he's full of joy being here he's thankful he's grateful for being here and I could see him um, being a long-term part of this team and only getting better. Um, I think they did a great job adding to their core. Um, moving on to the Wizards, they are winners. Uh, seven of their last – or no, nine. Let's, hold on. Seven of their last seven nine games. games. Yeah. Seven of their last nine. Um, what, I, what stands out to me is they give up some points. Uh, 119, 128, 124, 135. Like, the defense isn't quite there for uh, old Scotty Brooks' team. But they've got two superstars, and Bradley Beal is in an absolute tear right now, a deserved all-star starter. Um, I, I, we, we bet the bear last week, and we said one and two. And we've got uh, Washington tonight. And then we've got the Bucks on Thursday. You know, you want to split here. You need to split here heading into the break. But I don't think you can just chalk up this uh, this game against the Wizards as a win. No, and I think that's what a lot of people are going to see. They're going to see, oh, they're playing the Wizards. Because, you know, the Wizards were – you thought they might be the worst team in the league when the, the season started. I mean, they played – they were really, really bad. And they are still 13 and 19 after winning seven of their last nine. That shows just how bad they were. So, I mean, I guess they were six and 17 before, uh, I guess, they started winning. I wouldn't be surprised at an 0 and 2, honestly. I mean, the, the Bucks, they, they're playing better basketball. It's, hard, it's weird to say that because, you know, they were the best team in the league last year. But I just think you're, you're staring at an 0 and 2 to go into the all-star break. So check out Bradley Bill's last nine game scoring. He had 35, 37, 25 against Denver, 37, 33, 28 and a loss to the Clippers, 33, 34. And then he had 46 and a loss to Boston. This dude is on a tear and check. It's, it's even more incredible. He did all of this and only once did he shoot below 50%. Who the heck is going to guard Bradley Beal tomorrow night? Your boy Dylan. No, there's no way. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I mean, uh, it'll be it'll be tough because you have to take care of Dylan – or not Dylan, you got to take care of Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal too. And Ja can't guard either one of them. No, no, absolutely not. And, and Bradley Beal is doing this against really good teams too. Yeah. That's the thing is Washington's done this – their last nine games, they've beaten the Lakers. They've beaten the Blazers. They beat the Celtics. They lost to them last night. But they have they beat the Celtics as well. So it's not like they're just beating up on the teams that are at the bottom. They're beating title contenders. In fact, they're beating the defending champs. 
So I'm guessing that Jaw's going to have to guard Garrison Matthews. And then, I mean, I, the injury report has, we discussed this pre-show, Kyle Anderson's questionable. You threw out that they should start Justice, and I threw out they should start Brandon Clark. But now, discussing it out loud, I feel like that they have to start Justice. Because you can put Winslow and Brooks on those two, Westbrook and Beal. So that puts Bain in the in the equation, and that puts Bain having to guard somebody like Rui. And I don't I don't know. I mean, do you start Justice, sit Bain, and play Clark? Do you go Ja, Dylan, Justice, BC, and and Jonas on the BC matchup with Rui? And then uh, Winslow and DB are going to tag team Bill and Westbrook and then Hyde Morant or Matthews? Um, where in the, On the bench, where are you going to get your scoring from? Let's see. That, that gives you Melton, Tyus, Bain, Tillman. Conchar, Jang, those guys coming off. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you got to keep BC on the bench. Maybe you start Tillman next to Valanciunas and let Tillman guard Rui. I mean, that's going to be tough because, yeah, I, I mean, if you're confident enough that you think you're going to get one of those games from DeAnthony or Tyus, you just roll the dice on it and try and stop, focus on stopping Beal and, or matching up with Beal and Westbrook. And like you said, you know, have BC with Rui. I don't, I don't, it's not ideal to have a game in which Grayson Allen and potentially Kyle Anderson being out. Yeah. And, you know, something that, that they do in the NBA um, a lot less is create starting lineups based on matchups. Yeah. Um, and so I, I could see him just rolling with, Bain staying in the lineup for Grayson's spot and then just plugging in one of Tillman or um, BC at the four and letting Winslow kind of run it with Tyus off the bench. Um, but I just feel like with Jaws' defensive deficiencies, uh, the the rookie nature of Desmond Bain, I mean, you saw what some of these vets have done to Bain at times. Um I mean, you could, I guess you could put Bain on Russ and just be like, look, man, dare the guy to shoot. Like, just don't let him drive by you. Just dare him to shoot threes and, you know, we'll – we got a chance. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I think this is the game where you find out what Justice does in the starting lineup with, with Morant, Brooks, and, and Valanciunas. This is a game where Valanciunas has to carry you because he's going to be guarded by freaking Mo Bogner. Of all people, this has to be the JV game. He can't get into foul trouble like he did against Houston. He, I, a few of those are questionable fouls. I'll, I'll say that, but two things on JV. One, he can't get frustrated about the foul calls because that takes him out mentally and he makes a dumb foul after it. And then Ja also has got to watch his temper. He's picked up three technicals in the past two games. And Mike Conley never had one his entire career. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I understand the frustration with Ja, but still, you know, he's got he's to calm it down a little bit. 
I mean, eventually he'll get the foul calls, but it seems like they're going to tee him up before they give him the benefit of the doubt. But back to the lineup stuff, uh, man, I don't know. Um, like you said, they, they very rarely do coaches, you know, do matchups unless there's like a, you know, glaring weakness that you have to start somebody on the uh, – that you normally would have on the bench. But it'll be interesting to see if they if he does go with, you know, starting BC and Bain and have Justice come off the bench or keeps Bain and, you know, has BC coming off the bench, how quickly is he going to pull the pull the cord on it to get BC in the game? Yeah, or Justice, whoever doesn't start. I mean, Ruby's only 6'8". So I imagine Bain, if you if you started Winslow and kept Bain in there for the score for the shooting aspect and spreading the floor, you could you could probably stick Bain on Ruby um, somewhat. But I think something that you mentioned that I'm seeing right now that I think you may have may have something on, and that's who's going to score off the bench. And I'm looking at their bench. We should win that matchup easily. They, this is who they have come off the bench. Robin Lopez, Raul Neto, Davis Bertans, who's who's starting to pick it up a little bit, Isaac Bonga, Alex Lynn, and uh, Denny Advia. So they're not scary off the bench. They had a total of 38 points off the bench against Boston, where we just dropped 85 off our bench. Granted, we're one man down uh, from what we were last game. But their bench is nothing at all. I mean, they freaking Troy Brown got a DNPCD, um, and I'd love to have him on the Grizzlies. But I mean, if we can just not let Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook be plus twenty in the starting lineup a piece and hang on and let the bench kind of do their thing, I think we could pull it out. Or are you just like whatever, let Beal get his, and you focus, you just focus on shutting down Russ. Because, you know, Russ is still – he leads the team in rebounds. He leads the team in assists. Bradley Beal, obviously, uh, leads the team in points. But if you're just saying, hey, Beal, go go out there, do what you want to do, pour in 50, you know, whatever, we're just going to shut down everybody else. That could be a potential game plan. But the yeah. thing is, it's like we've seen it with Russ. Like he may get shut down for the first three quarters, but he's eventually going to get his in the fourth. And can you can you contain him for all four quarters? That's going to be your game plan. Yeah, that's a tough task. Um, you know, if you put Dylan on Bradley, he's probably still going to get his anyways because the only player that Dylan's really shut down and frustrated this year was uh, – I guess he's, he did it to, what, DeMar DeRozan one game and yeah. then uh, Devin Booker another. Kind of frustrated him a little bit. Uh, I just don't see the tear that, uh, that Bill's been on. There's not really been anybody that's been able to uh, slow him down. So you may be right there. Just let him do his thing. Um, but I don't think we've got anybody. I, that's who I, I would put Dylan on Russ because Dylan is that kind of player that will get under your skin. And Russ, if you get under his skin, he's going yeah. to go up there. He's, he's going to shoot 30%. Yeah. He's, he, he, he wears his emotions on his sleeve. Like that's, you know what Russ is thinking. You know what he's feeling out there. And – I mean, that, that could be a way, you know, get him frustrated, get him to pick up a technical. He get, it, it'll, it'll frustrate him on both ends. Dylan might be the way to go with that one. But, like, Dylan can get you under your skin, but I think Justice could shut him down. Like, 
I don't know what would be more frustrating. Dylan Brooks constantly picking on you or you not be able to do what you want to do. Yeah, because Russ could use Dylan's motives as fuel, whereas if Justice is just set, shutting him down, he's shutting him down. Right. Um, yeah, tomorrow night will be interesting. Uh, we'll talk about the betting part of it at the end. Uh, after after tomorrow, or I guess tonight when you're listening to it, you got Thursday night against the Bucks, and then we're at the break. Ben, what are some major takeaways for, for you from the first half of the season? Um. I think the Grizzlies did a good job. Uh, really, what you coming into the season, it was all about kind of treading water, staying competitive until Jaron came back because you knew that Jaron was going to be out for a while, Jaron and Justice. You did that, and you didn't even know that you were going to be without Ja for a handful of games either. Uh, the frustrating part is you got hit with the COVID, and now you have a tougher task in the second half of the season, which sucks, but hopefully, you know, you got it all out of your system, got it all out of the – you're, hopefully you're done with it to where it doesn't really affect you in the second half because that's when things will get dicey. I don't know what they're going to do since there's not a third part of the season to where you can make it up. But I, I just think that Ja, I don't, I don't know about what's going on with Ja because, you know, the, the first game of the season, he goes off for what, 44? And we haven't seen that since then, really. And I know he got injured. I think part of it, when he came back, he may have come back a little too early. But now he just seems a little frustrated. I don't know if that's a little immaturity on his part or what it is, but I want to see a little bit more from Ja. And maybe a week off will will help him get more focused and heal up and be ready to go for the second half. But like, like I said, you know, about the Clippers win, when the Grizzlies are knocking down shots, the whole team has confidence. And you can see that. You can see the youth in the team. Because, you know, when they're making shots, everything comes easy for them. They're just doing that. But when they're missing shots, they get frustrated, and it, it affects the whole team. Like the whole team basically feels like has the same emotion. You know, if they're not hitting shots, they all get down on themselves. They try to force it. I think that's what's hap- that was what happened with Justice in the first few games. He was trying to get a shot, and he was also trying to force things, and that was a bad combination. And I just think if they can just focus for the second half, I, I, I think they can make a run. I think they're going to be there when it comes down to the seven, eight, nine, ten matchups. But I don't know. It'll be interesting to see when Jaron comes back uh, what this team looks like and if Taylor Jenkins is able to adjust his lineups to get the most out of all the guys that he has. Yeah, I think – you nailed it with this week off. We, I think we come back with a different Morant. Um, I think we come back with a Morant that probably isn't still dealing with an ankle injury a little bit. Um, and one that can, I guess, kind of get past his frustrations, get in the gym, work on his shot, do those kind of things. Um, I think the break will be really good for him. Uh, for me, in the first half of the season, my takeaways, it's kind of hard to not be positive about what you've seen. Um, from those young guys, the injuries have been positive because it's allowed other guys to get the time. The guys, we get to see Tillman. Um, they create opportunities for Bain to get in there and really prove himself. Allen has continued to prove himself. Um, Melton, every chance he gets in there, it's weird that he's getting the DNPs, um, but he's making it really hard on the coaches to give him those DNPs when he is in there. Um, 
it's causing guys to grow up. They're getting great looks at what they have. Um, and that's nothing but a positive in a year that you weren't expected to do anything. Um, I think the only negative I could really think of when it comes to this, this year is just kind of the, the lack of clarity from the front office on the way that they're handling Winslow and, and Jaron. Because if, if I'm not mistaken, we were expecting Justice to be back at worst beginning of January. Um, the way they made it sound like he wasn't going to be ready for the season, but it's going to be pretty close after is, is what they said. Um, right. And then I think we were expecting Jaron at the MLK game. Um, and my bold prediction is that the first game back from the break, Jaron's on the floor. Um, but we just don't know. We have no idea whatsoever. Um, and so we're, Hopefully we get that back. I mean, how nice would it, is it going to be to add a seven-footer who shoots 40%, 40% from behind the arc to this team that has shown you they can compete with the best? Um, going up on the Lakers 20-2, to two, beating the crap out of the Clippers. We're going to get a real <laughs> test not, not, not too long down the road where you got to face Utah like three times this month in March. Um, and Utah are freaking – they're the class of the NBA right now, and it's not even close. Um, they are a complete team, and that's going to be a tough, tough game to watch. Um, but, yeah, first half, you got to be pleased. You're, you're at 500 right now. You hope to end it by at least at 500 at worst. Um, you treaded water, like you said, waiting for Jaron to come back. Um, if he comes back, there's, there's no reason this team is not in the play-in games. Um, and, and maybe even pushing for a six seed because um, this this West is pretty spread out. Um, you got teams. It's starting to fall into place if 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 you think about it. Like Minnesota's down there. Nobody expected Houston to be anything after getting rid of Harden, so they're down there now. The Kings, the the Thunder. You didn't expect them to be anything. Um, it's really the Pelicans and the Grizz who's going to fight for that that ten spot. Probably is is what it could be, but. Second half, stay healthy, continue to build your core, uh, get them more minutes on the floor, as many as you can as possible, um, and then we roll from there. Let me throw this at you. Okay. How about that Magic Johnson shout-out to Jonas Valanciunas today? <laughs> Here's the thing. Magic Johnson is, like, the worst person on Twitter. Like, he just <laughs> states that. Like, it's like LeBron James starting for the Los Angeles Lakers. Man, they're good. But – it is nice to see him noticing Jonas. So, yes, there is that. But it's like Jonas Valanciunas doing great things, whatever, and gives out his stats. It's like, thanks, Magic. Hey, it's not bad for a not top 100 player, right? Oh, yeah. No, it, 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 he's finally getting recognized. And it's by a Hall of Famer who, you know, he's one of the best players of all time. Yep. Real quick question. Hypothetical. If Jaron is not suited up in the first game back, the front office has to say something. They have to give a definitive answer, you think, right? Like, at that point, it's kind of one of those – like, because everybody, I think, is kind of assuming that he's going to suit up. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Did, did he not himself say somewhere that he was going to be back within a month was that not him that said that, or was that Justice that said that? I want to say – I think Justice has been a little more open about it. 
I don't know. I don't. I don't quite remember. But I, I, for me, for some reason, I'm thinking that Justice was a little more open about it. I, I, I have to agree with you. If Jaron is not dressed out for that Washington game on March 10th, um, the front office has to give us some answers. Give us a timeline at least. Like, hey, he'll be back before March is over, or he'll be back within two weeks, or at least make him questionable. Uh, upgrade him. Like, yeah. make it a game-to-game basis at that point. Like, you've got to do something um, because I, I get it. The the Christoph Porzingis um, fiasco in Dallas right now because they rushed him back because they were they're, – they're competing for uh, trying to, you know, contend this year. Um, we don't want that. We don't want a shell of Jaron Jackson. We need – No. We, we need – a continuing to grow Jaron Jackson Jr. We don't want to need to be the reason that he doesn't. Um, yeah, I'm with you. They, they've got to say something if, if he's not. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, we want to see Jaron basically like Justice is. You know, it looks like that he's 100% healthy, even better than we thought he was going to be. And we want to see that from Jaron. But the front office just can't keep saying he's close to being back he's not suited up or at least you know some type of timeline yeah because at some point close isn't close <laughs> right right he's been close you know close two months is not close no <laughs> no it's not <laughs> maybe for an acl injury or an achilles two months is close but yeah. for a meniscus that's been quite a while close is all right we're we're a week out and I'm not one of those that's like, don't be jumping around on the, on the sidelines when you're out with injury or dancing or anything like that. But when you see him do that, you're, you, you question, like, why is he not playing? And I don't even think it's up to him now. Like, at some point, it's put him out there. Yeah, He I, looks I'm, healthy. I'm not quite sure. It would it, be nice to be a fly on the wall on some conversations going on in the front office and, and the training staff and all that just to kind of have an understanding. Because I don't think we're ever going to understand um, – why he's been out this long. I think he's just going to suit up and play and everybody's going to forget about it and be happy yeah. that he's on the court. And the they're going to play so well, the front office is just going to get away with it. Yeah, and the only, people, the only thing that people have to complain about is when Jaron gets a rest, when they rest him for a game. <laughs> yeah, we're throwing the season away at that point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right, so last week, betting the bear. Um, if you bet them all three times, you went two for three. Um, if, uh, you listen to us and only bet them once, we're sorry. Uh, I told you to yeah. take the Houston game. So if you took the Houston game, you're doing well. Um, but it just seems like they always do the opposite of what we say they're going to do. Uh, so heading into this week, they got the, the Wizards tonight, Tuesday night, and they got the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, on Thursday night before the break. Ben, how do we bet the bear this week? Um, I think you take. You take the other two teams uh, because I, I just – I don't think that they can uh, – I don't see them getting a win in either of these games. I hate to be that way, but, you know, these are two teams that are streaking and in a good way. Uh, Washington's won seven of their last nine. Milwaukee's won their last five. Uh, you are getting Milwaukee at home, which maybe that will help you because they are a lot better at home than they are on the road. So that does uh, play into your favor. Uh, I apologize if you followed me on uh, the last two games for the props. Like yesterday, the Valentinus the Valentinus prop was so bad yesterday. Man, <laughs> he should have. 
I even put in the game preview, like, he should be flirting with the Barbara Walters getting a 2020. I'm like, <laughs> over 32 and a half points, rebounds, and assists, that's easy money. Dude picks up five fouls in, like, five minutes or something. You know, <laughs> <laughs> when I saw him pick up that fifth foul, when I saw him pick up the fourth foul, I was like, okay, and then he goes down the court and picks up the fifth foul, or I guess it was the third foul, fourth foul, right before uh, in the first half. I saw him pick up that fourth foul. I'm like, ah, oh, this isn't going to go the way I thought it was going to go. So – might be it's a better fluke. Just it's a fluke. You might want to fade me for in, for the next two games and see if it works out for you. You know, <laughs> um, the, the Grizzlies right now they're fifteen and fifteen overall, uh, fifteen fourteen and one uh, over under, and uh, their their first game tonight they're away. They're eight and five against the spread away. Game on Thursday against Milwaukee is at home. They're seven nine and one against the spread at home. Uh, the under. This is uh, interesting. The under is five in the last six games. So the Grizzlies have gone under the total in five of their last six games. They're also two and four against the spread uh, on the road in their last six games. Washington, 13 and 19 overall, uh, 17 and 15 against the spread, seven, eight against the spread at home, and then 17 and 15 uh, on the over under. Here's a few uh, notes about Washington, eight and one against the spread in their last nine. That's not good. Seven and two straight up. You know, they won seven in the last nine. But here's the one thing that works in the Grizzlies' favor. The Wizards are one and five against the spread in the last six against the Grizzlies. This is I know that's a school. This is a different Grizzlies and Wizards team. I know. Bro. I know. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. I know. The Grizzlies never win in Houston, and they did last night, and they won by a lot. So you can throw, throw the Rickards out the window when these two teams, you know, whatever. And <laughs> – Milwaukee's 21 and 13 overall, uh, six and 10 against the spread on the road. They have five straight wins and the uh, over under, they've uh, 20 and 14. So they go over 20 times under 14 times. So take those stats for what you want. Uh, but it doesn't look good if you want to go with, the, you know, current streaks for the Grizzlies because it feels like the Grizzlies. They win a game, they lose a game. They win a game, they lose a game. They win two games, they lose two games. They won their last game. So maybe that works out. Maybe they split them. Maybe they, get, maybe they catch Milwaukee at home. Yeah, one thing that I would, I would keep in mind, while, while you love the matchup of Valanciunas on, on, on Wagner, uh, Morant has not been good on the road this year. Um, so when your best player uh, is going on the road against a team that's won seven of nine with two superstars at, at the – the guard position. Um, I, I don't think – and it just it stinks because we love the Grizzlies. We believe in them. So, like, in our minds, we're like, oh, they can win this game. Yeah. But if you just – if you take a step back from your fanhood uh, and look at everything, it just doesn't seem like a game the Grizzlies are going to pull out unless their bench scores 85 points again. And if they do that, then they will smoke the Wizards bench um, yeah. by, you know, 50. But – you can't – on a road game, offense struggles to travel. Um, so, if Kyle Anderson's out, who's one of your better defensive players, I just – I think you're right. Uh, best case scenario is a split. Um, I'm not going to predict the split because, again, they don't usually win the ones that you think they're going to win and then turn yeah. around and you just, you just well, never know them. They have a losing record on the road. So, I mean, that's one thing you got going for you. It's just, you know, 
you're going into the all-star break and it wouldn't surprise me if the coaches are like, I'll play Giannis 46 minutes if I have to, to win a game because he's off, you know, he's, he, he's in the all-star, but we're going into the break. And that's what I'm thinking that's going to happen possibly with Washington. They're just going to play the starters or they're going to play Westbrook and Beal as much as possible to get the win going into the all-star break. Yeah, I, I could see it, especially because, you know, Washington has to win every game they can because they're fighting their way back up from the poor start. And then Milwaukee is fighting for playoff pos- position and seating. You know, Philadelphia is not going away. Brooklyn's only getting, you know, their record's only going to improve. Boston's not going away. So, like, it's a fight in the East over there, uh, which is nuts. Their one seed would be a five seed in the West. Um, just the West stays loaded. So, yeah, I, I can see that. It's going to be tough. Um, we're hoping for a split. I uh, would not be surprised that they were 0-2. But at the same time, like, I wouldn't be shocked if they walked away 2-0. Like, I just I just see a split. I would, but I, I hate to be that way. It's just I don't know if they can put together um, – they're going to have to play their best basketball. And I don't know if they can do that for two straight games. Now, remember, yeah. Jenkins is a, is a Boods, you know, disciple. So, he yeah. knows he knows yeah. how to game plan there. That, yeah. that could be a factor at home and you came from his staff and Giannis can't shoot. So, there's always that. <laughs> All right. Oh, you're going to be, you're going to be on one Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Don't let me be on a Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm going to tell you the coolest thing I saw this week. Uh, not Maybe not cool. It's the funniest thing I saw this week on Twitter, and then we'll wrap this thing up. Did you watch John Roser's Top Shot un- yes. unwrapping? Yeah. <laughs> I right. texted him about it. I was like, dude, I watched it at work, and I about fell out of my seat at my desk just like <laughs> laughing about it. All right. So for those of you that maybe don't pay attention to Grind City Media, and Chris Vernon's uh, daily show that he has, or you don't know what NBA Top Shot is. Top Shot is a virtual trading card, but the trading card is an NBA moment, um, such as a jaw dunking on Aaron Baines uh, or something like that. Well, John Roser gets a $99 pack, and there's five cards in his pack. Um, And the fifth card is a gold card. So he gets, like, uh, Taco Fall, Chris Middleton, uh, and somebody else. And like, You got LeBron. Okay, LeBron was the fourth one at that point. Yeah, LeBron was the fourth one. So the third, you know, the first three, you're just like, man, I spent $99 on what? And then LeBron comes in and, you know, John Roser's a LeBron hater, but he's pumped because he realizes there's some value to this card. So then the fifth card is the gold card, the one that's going to be worth money, okay? And then the Memphis Grizzlies logo pops up. And so they're all freaking out. You see Devin and Chris Vernon and John Roser are like just pumped because it's a Grizzlies card. And then it flips over, and it's freaking Dylan Brooks at the layup. Oh, yeah. It was just a suit. You see 24 first, and then it's just like, oh. <laughs> and Chris Vernon just gets out of his chair, runs laps around the studio, and Devin Walker falls at his. You just see this defeated look on John Roser's face. <laughs> I know. That was that was some funny stuff. Like I, I... <laughs> Talk about a stab to Dylan Brooks Island that three people that are paid by the franchise to cover their team laughs that hard at a top shot card being Dylan Brooks. Yeah, I mean, I think they all thought it might be, you know, John. They were all hoping for John and it ended up being Dylan Brooks. And it was just like pure disappointment. <laughs> yes. It's like you just got punked. Like a kid, you know, expected to see his favorite player and instead walks out, you know, 
12th man on the bench or something like that. You know, like, uh, now, have you tried for anything on Top Shot? Um, I was going to try this weekend because they were, you know, the pre-order stuff and they were trying to make it available for everybody. But I hadn't signed up for an account. And they didn't have – they weren't allowing people to sign up for an account this weekend. Dude, same thing happened to me. I was able to get an account yesterday. I got or, one today. Yeah, I got one yesterday, but the pre-order's over. So, yeah. no, I have not – got a top shot because I was like hesitant. I looked at it. I was like, Oh, that's cool. And everything. And I saw like all the individual cards were so expensive. I'm like, I can't really afford to get into this. And oh, then yeah. I realized that that's like 10 bucks at that. Yeah. I have like 20,000 sports cards from when I was a kid that I just took from my parents' house and I might go through them, but it's like, I collected all those as a kid. Like anytime I got any type of money from like, you know, my dollar allowance or whatever, I just keep kind of, you know, saving it up so I could go buy just a box of cards. And this seems like something, you know, as an adult, it's kind of the next level. Right. So the pre-order for this past one was a $9 base pack. It was three cards. And I was trying to get in and, and create the account, and they weren't letting you. Um, and then I was able to create one today. So if they drop another $9 pack, I'm going to try to get in that line and, and snag one of those. Well, I'm thinking that the way that they have the pre-order – real quick, I know we're, we're wrapping up here. Now, the pre-order, the way I understand it on that thing was uh, the base pack, was they made a bunch of them, and they made more than the actual number of members that have already registered. So maybe when it's released, they kind of let you get – either people like get back in line or the people that signed up afterwards, maybe they're able to get a pack. I don't know. But to me, it, it feels like sports card slash NBA 2K – when you buy a pack to build your team. Oh yeah. That's a good comparison. Yeah. Um, last question. Are you ready to trade me jaw yet? Um, no. Oh, you thought about it though. I did. I did. <laughs> you thought about it. I'm a little more, uh, open to it now. I believe we're playing each other this week. We are. I'm not giving you Steph this week. I'll talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, do you know, do, is it this week and next week? Is it, is it one week or is it just we only get half the week and that's it? That's a great question. I have to go look that up. Hopefully it's this week and, and the next week because that would – to rely on That'd two games, that, that would yeah. suck. Yeah, I know. I agree. I agree. <laughs> All right, Ben, you got anything to, to throw out there before we wrap it up? No, nah, hopefully the Grizzlies – hopefully you're right and I'm wrong and the Grizzlies get to – this week because that'd be great that'd be great momentum going into the all-star break and everybody would be on a high and as long as jaron comes back then you know just carry it on to the all-star break but uh hopefully you get some rest too uh during the all-star break yeah for sure um i think in the next couple of weeks we're going to have some guests uh joining us i know uh we we've talked with mr hustle himself brendan abraham about coming on and talking to us about uh the g league bubble the gubble down there and uh, getting an update on uh, how the hustle are doing and some players to look out for there and just kind of get his reactions to some more Killian Tilly time. Uh, and then, of course, we'll talk to him about his man crush on John Conchar. Um, and then we are, we're going to work on some other guests to bring to you guys. Hopefully we can snag a good one during the All-Star break since they'll have some free time. Uh, but as always, this has been a, uh, another episode of the 3ND Podcast. Uh, for Ben, say thank you, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week.